Fellas, good evening, good evening, audience. Welcome to episode 183 of the Eight Black Hands. Want to shout out uh, Chris Stewart. He won't be with us uh, this evening, uh, but want to uh, roll with the punches and and uh, and keep things flowing. I'm sure he's probably listening as well. I want to start off with uh, grew up fatherless. How you doing, bro? What you working on? What you thinking about for this week? Y'all closed tomorrow, right? Indigenous People Day. Indigenous People Day. Hey, I got a I got a video coming out, man. I went and I did a um rap video. No, 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 my students, my high school oh, students. Bet, okay. bet, bet. Oh, I was on the phone with you when I was telling you what I was going to do. Yeah, 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 oh, yeah. yeah. All right. So, so, so yeah, I'm I'm releasing that tomorrow. Uh, I posed the question to social them. Social media. Huh? Yeah. yeah. Social media will be able to see it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So I, I posed the question to my high schoolers uh, last week. I, mm-hmm. I asked them. I said, uh, "Indigenous Peoples Day or Columbus Day?" Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, they had some real interesting uh, things to say about uh, what they chose. But uh, tomorrow I'll be releasing that, uh, so you guys can hear. It. But but there's some background noise in the back because we're teaching and we're doing everything simultaneously, man. Because that's what we do. Right. Listen, all all of all teaching and learning ain't quiet mouth stuff, right? Like so, it's uh, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, good stuff, good stuff. And, and uh, to echo your sentiments, man, I want to shout out our brother, man, uh, lifting him high in spirit, uh, Chris Stewart, man. Uh, you know, he posted what he posted, no need to get into it, but uh, that, that brother's in our thoughts and in our prayers, yeah, yes, sir, yes, sir. Dr. Cole, what's going on, bro? I man. was in, I was in your I was in your your land uh last week, bro. Oaktown. I was there at the same time. I know you you you, you, oh, you, that, right. you you yeah, yeah, you you were heading over for Sobe. That's right. Yeah, That's right. so we had the Sobe Awards. Y'all, I mean, can we, we all can got we the quick, award. Can we do a quick pause for that? Right, a quick pause for the fact yeah, that yeah, yeah. y'all were in the same place at the same time. No, no, we were like ships passing through the night, bro. I was okay. back here by the time the Sobe, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like All right. I was yeah, I think he was, he was he was he was leaving when I was coming in probably, but um, yeah. it was good, man. Uh, got to honor uh, y'all don't really know Rachel, but Dirk uh, and had these awards and and, and Jamoke did an incredible job putting it together. We got an award as the A Black Hand, so uh, I know they're working blessings, to get the rest blessings, of the blessings. I'll 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 pull it up in the middle of the show. The show it's a beautiful award. Um, I released another. Ebook, a, a book that I free for for our, for our young Stop boys. Stop hustling backward. That feel like it, it needs some theme music to go with yeah, that. Yeah, you know I mean, Stop yeah, hustling man. backward. Yeah, you know I mean, like I don't know. You need some roots beats or something behind the scene. You know, I mean, there was a few things I was trying to do with it, man. And then I just wanted to get it out and get it in people's hands. And then you seen the the, the parent workbook piece that I'm working on that's coming mm-hmm. out in a few months. So uh, just been grinding, man. Putting my head down, and that, and and that's it, man. You know what I'm saying? Stand out the way. Oh, plotting and planning for our people. Love it, love it, love it. And, and shout out to, you know, Sobe, really honored that, you know, they uh, they recognized us. You know, it was like, a, it was like you know, we were virtual as as many of the things have been in the past few years, uh, but you could still feel the energy and the love. And, and it just shows like you can build community wherever. Um, and so don't let, don't let this virtual, you know, space stop us or anyone from building community with other people. Um, yeah, and, so and just for the record, there were four. There were four. Th- this is the first time we did the national influencer. There were four winners. So it was a black hands. It was the book, a black hands book club, and so Mama mm-hmm. Toya and, and Nicole. It was a it was a few people from there that were there both virtually and live. Uh, yep. And then um, uh, Naomi got it for her work that she's been doing, and then um, uh, in the South Star classroom. So for the first mm-hmm. time, they did a national influencer award i had nothing to do with it um you know i want to just put that out there i know i'm a co-founder of it but i didn't i didn't pick out any of the the winners in it i didn't want there to be any type of issue so but it was beautiful it's a beautiful service man and uh you know dirk has influenced a lot of people and it was good to see it has some 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 of his new york influence people kind of came in a lot of people that he touched in oakland it was it was emotional people needed that moment so yeah, yeah hopefully people yeah. can we can start all moving on you know not moving on but you know what i that mean like, yes yeah feeling I mean. from that and kind of that that was the, like a the first bit of closure with that inner crew you know so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. no no i appreciate that appreciate that much much love to dirt and um you know the work that he did and the ripples of his work that continues to you know to push uh you know the work forward mm-hmm. so look I, i'm We've been talking a lot about just, you know, uh, the violence, not just in Philadelphia, although Ray tries to pretend like Philly is the only place that's suffering from this around the country in many places. 
while some violence has gone down, gun violence and carjackings and things like that, shootings have gone up substantially. Um, you know, it's on a, you know, just a terrible pace right now. Um, but we often talk about like, ours, what can schools do, right? Like, so schools don't, people are always talk about school community, school community, but it's like communities that have schools, right? And if it is some type of partnership where thousands and thousands of students are going, is there something that schools can do to help mitigate, to help support, to help partner in some kind of way, just change some of the trajectories that we're seeing? Um, you know, in, in Philadelphia and beyond. And so we're, you know, excited to have Mr. David Hardy, David P. Hardy um, on Twitter, uh, you know, to, to be part of this conversation. He's a distinguished senior fellow for the Commonwealth Foundation, free market think tank, uh, focusing on educational opportunities beyond traditional uh, ways of looking at things. Uh, he's a co-founder and retired. CEO. He's not retired. He's still out there working hard, but he's a retired CEO of Boys Latin of Philadelphia Charter School, uh, Pennsylvania's first. This is this. Every time I read this, it's like crazy to me. Pennsylvania's first single gender charter school, uh, blending classical and contemporary pedagogies and utilizing a prep school model. Boys Latin has distinguished itself as an institution of black male achievement, and it has had more black male graduates. Listen, y'all. Boys Latin has had more black male graduates matriculate to college than any other school in the state of Pennsylvania over the last 11 years. Um, his work has been chronicled all over, including the Wall Street Journal and NBC News. Um, he's a regular uh, commentator. And you know, I, I tweeted the other day, there's some people who have all these theories and pontifications and not grounded in any of the lived experiences of people, um, but David Hardy, um, who I affectionately call Mr. Hardy, um, has, does have that. So, you know, welcome, Mr. Hardy. You're, you're no stranger to the show. You're no stranger to the A Black Hands. You're no stranger to the yeah, audience. Nah. Um, but I still nah. want to read that and make sure to double down on the Black boys that you had a vision for supporting through Boys Latin. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, I know Ray. Ray's dying to say something, so go ahead, Ray, and then I'll. I'll, I'll... <laughs> Ray's like, you're about to jump through the screen, bro. <laughs> oh, wait, what'd that do, Ray? What'd that do? Because <laughs> I'm, I'm trying, I'm trying to get this right, right? Because I, I want to make okay. sure that you know we, we're all on the same page here, right? Okay. Now, a single gender charter school, right? That that's mm -hmm. filled with black men, right? Mm -hmm. Young black mm -hmm. males, right? Right. That's so I'm correct. thinking in Philadelphia, right? Like that's going to be hard pressed, right? So if you have a single site charter school with that's that's promoting black men and putting them to college, it's going to be real easy to run up the numbers in order to put yourself in a space to where you put the most black males in college because your competition is is what ah, uh, first of all don't 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 yeah it's always it's always some slant that's why you just gotta wait and like just nod your head like all right Joker, what you got to say and listen Mr. Hardy, here's the thing usually we don't even have the time or the crayon enough crayons to explain stuff to uh to Ankrum, right? You know, we ain't even got the, okay. the crayons yeah. and chart paper. But tonight we do have time because this is all about okay. you know. Um, so go ahead, you can you can help him with his math. Well, well uh, no, first. no, it's it's a it's a it's a good point because I'm gonna tell you something. Um, I I have been saying that for a while, but I wanted Doctor Height when he was the superintendent. I wanted him to help me verify that. And like we went round and round for a couple of years of him saying he's gonna get me the numbers, he didn't get the numbers, boom, 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 boom. So finally, one one uh year he called me down to the uh school district headquarters on Christmas Eve. All right. So <laughs> I I didn't think people worked on Christmas Eve, but he, he was working and he he told me he was surprised I showed up, which was kind of interesting. But but the interesting part was that he confirmed that, you know, I did, in fact, send the most black boys to college. And he showed me the letter written by his staff. And that's what they said, Ray. They said, of course he does. He has the most black boys. 
But see, they don't understand. I read their numbers too. And in, in 2011, 2012, 2013, that was when Bartram and Overbrook and Martin Luther King were still pretty full schools. And they had far more black males than I did. Um, so so uh, in the later years, yes, we probably did have the most black boys. Um, but, you know, Central could have had the most black boys, but they eliminated them in the entrance exam. <laughs> so we win. We didn't have an elimination factor. But and but also, Mr. Hardy, I want to just, you know, make sure people understand, like, Boys Latin does not have more black boys than all the other black boys in, no. you know what I mean? No, in no, district, no. Like, in, maybe no. larger than particular individual schools, but not, right. you but know. But not, no, no. Yeah. No, and, and and what what we also talk about is just the, yeah, uh, Ray Ray think you got ten thousand boys in in your school. You know what I mean? Yo, like I, you know what Ray Ray is right here. Ray can Ray can uh, have. Oh, I love what he, I love what he <laughs> talks about himself in third person. I love it. He's like he's like George Costanza's time comes on. <laughs> no, but seriously, um, the whole idea of of a school for black boys was something that made people in Philadelphia uncomfortable from the very beginning. And I mean, Sharif, Sharif knows when we started out this school, we were opposed by the Women's Law Project, the, uh, the um, Education Law Center, the ACLU, ACLU. and Imagine the uh, public ACLU trying to stop you from opening up a school for all black boys. Mm -hmm. and, and, and in fact, they, they, they came out and said single gender education doesn't work. Okay, they just wanted to make sure that we didn't we didn't think that that could be a good idea for um, black boys. But what they didn't realize was that in, in the Philadelphia area, of the top thirty high schools, fourteen of them are single gender high schools. Seven all girls, seven all all male. So the whole idea of single gender education being viable was a joke. Um, and the other thing is that when they they came out against it, they didn't think about the black community. The black community was for this 100%. 100%. Yeah. All the way from, from the very beginning. So, I mean, it was, they had the fight, but they lost the fight. And that's why we're here today. Well, I mean, Annette, oh, go ahead, Ray. So I, I got some questions, man, because you know with Reef and, and how he does his shows, we don't get into the show until until nine forty five. So I want to get this thing. <laughs> okay. Hardy, while we got you here, man. So so listen, mm -hmm. when you were uh, doing a successful school, and then when you re-entered to, to go back, came out of retirement, right? Mm -hmm. What right. were some of the things, or some some of the things that your school was doing in order to keep black boys off the corner, right? Because like we know. That, that, that when we look at these numbers, I posted these numbers on Twitter in terms of like the current uh, the current murder rate in, uh, mm -hmm. in, in Philadelphia is astronomical. And the majority of these kids that are getting killed are young pups. Um, what what are you doing to keep these kids off the streets? Well, one of the things we tried to do was take up as much of their day as possible. Um, there's an article um, or a study, a study done by uh, a professor here in, in University of Pennsylvania, Torch Lytle. You might you might remember him, yeah, remember James uh -huh. James Lytle, yeah. um, and he talked about the time gap. And he said, like in, in a typical Philadelphia high school, you go to school from eight to two thirty in the afternoon. Uh, attendance is normally around eighty percent. And, and there's no connection with homework or after school activities. That's like a 20, 23, 24 hour a day, a, a week connection with school, as opposed to somebody who went to a, a private school like uh, Episcopal Academy. Um, they go to class from eight to four, they have extracurriculars from four to six, and they have two or three hours worth of homework a night. That's more like an 80, 85 hour a week um, commitment to school. And, and that does a couple of things. Number one, it builds up your muscles to be, to be able to be committed to, to things uh, for a serious part of the day. Um, and it also is preparation for, um, for people who want to be professionals because professionals work long hours. 
and, and so you're you're kind of you're, you're kind of modeling that kind of behavior. Um, so in addition to the whole safety factor and the whole um, personal development factor of extracurricular activities, there is an academic reason for having it. Okay, and and one of the things we did was we we made sure we had a robust uh, selection of academic of extracurricular activities, uh, fourteen different sports plus uh, twenty something different other activities. So you could always find something that you wanted to do. Yeah, that's yeah. what's up. Hey, Reef, jumping to you, man. Putting you yeah. on the main screen. You ran Shoemaker. You kept kids alive. Uh, what were some of the things that you guys were doing at Shoemaker to 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 help uh, keep these babies alive? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that one of the first things that I remember about the students was what their desire was like they wanted a safe space they wanted to not be on edge they wanted to be able to have an adult to talk to right like so many of them said like hey before and ours was a turnaround right so this was a school that was struggling had police had violence all those kind of things second most uh violent school in the state um you know according to uh pennsylvania department of ed for multiple years and remember this is a school that i remembered that I went to for summer school when I was goofing off in 11th grade. And the first thing I thought as a 15 year old was like, man, summer school at Shoemaker, I'm gonna have to rumble every day. Like that's, that was just like how, what mm -hmm. the, the nature of, of the, uh, you know, the culture was. Um, but what I, what I found was, you know what? Students actually want to have a safe space. Like they don't want to be on edge. They don't want to have to like keep watching their back. They don't want to have to, and they, they are expecting trust for adults to be able to help them resolve issues, right? And so they wanted a space. And so what we tried to do was just match what we wanted to do pedagogically with what they wanted socially, emotionally, culturally, right? And then of course the parents, what were the parents' aspirations for a school that they're saying like, we need this to turn around, right? And how do we go from a school that people are trying to avoid to end up having a wait list of hundreds of students? And so for us, a lot of the things that Mr. Hardy said, right? You know, dope staff, that were, that were not only, you know, just all in um, to support students, but also felt accountable. And not mm -hmm. just to administration, but to themselves and to the to, families and to the to, students, to right? The, to the community. To the yeah. community, right? Like, and I used yeah. to tell them like, listen, nobody downtown is our boss. Our boss lives right across the street, right down mm -hmm. the street, whether they got a parents here or not, right? right? If it's a community member, communities have schools. A lot of times people, and myself too, we say school community, school communities communities have schools and so how is that school operating in there um what's the collective culture and community that we're trying to you know that we're trying to build um and then the other thing is like they got to get a good education man like that's you know one of the uh the studies also you know you talked about torch there was this other study at drexel i would love for you to talk about where they is black degrees matter um and, and uh you know the audience can hear see it in the chat Black Degrees Matters talks about, so all this stuff that we're talking about now, this violence, it was predictable. It's always predictable, right? Not just with the pandemic, but if you have 87% of a, of, a, of, a, of a group of students who don't have any post-secondary education, 87%, so that means 13% have something past high school, and most of that is two year, maybe not even finished. It's just like that they went, 13%? And even if you have a high school degree, like what does it amount to? Is that gainfully employed afterwards? Is it, can you open up a business? All of that. If you don't have that, then what people need hope, they need inspiration, they need a sense of purpose. And for me, that was the big thing as Shoemaker students had a sense of purpose at the end of the day. Without that, man, like, Oh, love Cole. Like, you know, we're talking about these youth, Bro, man. And, uh, so I, so I uh, want you to be an expert on the show. I'm, I'm going to run it for you now because, like, you shouldn't be hosting the show because you're an expert in what's happening in Philly. Um, Cole, man, community-based organizations—that is your thing. How do you? How do you? Uh, how do we bring community-based organizations in order to make kids safe and make make a safer space for kids to live? Yeah, I think it's a good question, man. I think one. I think we shouldn't even try to ask the question of how can schools prevent violence. I, I, they, they can't, not by themselves. I think Sharif made a really good point that you know, communities have schools, right? And I think that that is part of a community. So there has to be partnership, um, and, and especially in neighborhoods, like the ones that we talking about that need us there. So, you know, I had something early in the morning, like they had breakfast program at the school 
sometimes the school runs that sometimes there's a organization that can run that but the community members and there's cbo's that stand out in the way of like safe passage so in oakland it was the it was the black muslim men that would be out in our walking route on our way to school um and other places it's uh like the organization that we had on before uh the dads that came on i think that you need community members inside your school you need like ogs you need the presence of a full community and then afterwards i would be at the boys club up until eight nine o'clock until it was time for me to go home you gotta work with these community organizations because you have to fill up time if you don't fill up time and people are poor and we're coming off of a pandemic that is giving people a taste of the 80s and 90s right where like things shut down there was all these jobs lost and then you see people outside with a chain or this or slipping and lacking that's why you see robberies and bipping and carjackings and all that stuff is on the rise again because people hungry like that. If you don't have people active in the community industries helping you with that, we're going to keep having these same problems that we have. not so if you have a 501c3 and your job is to serve the community, they should be held to the same level of accountability. I mean, use context, right? Like use common sense. You should be holding them just as accountable as we do our schools. And we should also be holding our church uh, and religious organizations accountable, too, because it's a community issue when we have this type of violence. Yeah, I, I want to say one thing. You know, when you start talking about violence and what to do about violence, the thing that always troubles me is when people start saying, well, we don't have anything to do with that. Because if right. you're in the community, you have something to do with it. You're there. You're a part of it. So either you're part of the solution or you're part of the problem, but you can't duck it. Nobody can duck it, not not be there. And that goes for schools, that goes for churches, that goes for this uh, nonprofit organizations. Whoever's there has to be part of the solution. Right. Yeah. So so really quickly, throw some numbers out here. Uh, Cole, you're gonna love this. I know how you like to uh, you like for us to put numbers out, make this thing real. So 2018, uh, 2017. Uh, 315 murders in Philly. Uh, 2018, 353 murders. 2019, 356. And then we jump into the COVID year. So 2020, uh, 500 murders. So that's almost a, a 50% increase in murders, right? And then uh, 2021, uh, 562, right? So that's almost double what it was in 2017 prior to COVID. Uh, and right now, you guys are on a pace to break that uh, 562. You're looking at possibly 600 this year and so social media uh has played an, an, an enormous uh yeah. role in terms of these young people dying uh not being able to uh deal with conflict etc uh what's your advice to parents right now well you have to know where your kids are right now this is this this is not a time where you kind of let them go and, and, and roam free and not not have an idea that they're doing things because this this uh the the pandemic left all those kids home on their own and i mean <laughs> some bad habits some really bad habits were formed during that time and and we had schools and sharif knows this this in fact this is true all over the country there were some schools that really tried to keep the students connected they had um classes synchronous classes where the teacher was involved and they had you know um, real interaction teacher to student there's also other schools that gave students assignments and they were off on their own doing them or not doing them and i mean it really left a whole lot of kids out there on their own kids need school every day i mean if they don't have school they're going to replace it with something that's just not healthy and that's what happened during this pandemic and now we're going to be we're going to we're going to be years trying to figure this thing out because we got young people doing grown people's uh, crimes, uh, carjacking, fourteen year olds doing carjack—that's some deep stuff, man. We never saw that kind of thing before, but it's it's, it's what happened. It's kind of a result of this pandemic. Yeah, yeah. I, I would say, and this uh, this goes back to schools too, but I I don't think I think. In families and communities, we can do this too. The other thing that we really focus on, um, and I know the anti-CRT movement is trying to lump everything up with SEL. And then folks who are fans of SEL, half of them don't even know what SEL really is and what it should be doing, right? You know, so that's that social emotional learning piece. Yeah. Um, but a part of that social emotional learning, you know, for me, 
Um, I think we have to do as as adults in the community, both family members as well as community members, is like helping with communication. And this is what adults struggle with too. You see it all the time. You know, how do you communicate effectively, right? How do you resolve conflict? Conflict resolution. People just say, oh, kids need to learn conflict resolution. I can tell you a whole lot of adults don't know anything about conflict resolution, right? And so like that, those are very specific, discrete skills that need to be practiced. They need to be a part of a feedback loop. And you can do that within the home, outside the home, within the school as well. Like we used to break up, we, you know, we weren't single gender, but we used to have a, we used to call it an SEL class. We would break up the boys and the girls and they would go through scenarios that they were likely to see, scenarios that they experienced, scenarios that they would bring. And we had uh, Miss India Finn who would take the sisters and Rudy Williams who would take the brothers and they would break things down, make it real tangible about like conflicts. Right. You know, and then how to advocate for themselves as well as their peers. And so a lot of times if there was a conflict, it was peers involving themselves in a positive way to try to de-escalate. Right. And all of those are skills. Like a lot of times we just like, oh, they should do this. Oh, kids just should stop doing like not. Nah, listen, anything these kids are doing, they learned it from somewhere and somehow. And I agree with you, Ray, this um, and uh, Mr. Hardy, the social media and the beefing that happens in a retaliatory uh, nature, right? You know, so I think we've got the survival habits that are not conducive to community building. And then you got social media that's just like a wind on a fire, right? Like it's just blowing it up. Sharif, can I stay here with you? Because I, I think I agree with everything you just said. I think when you're talking about, you know, I, I'm from Oakland. So restorative justice, I actually believe in those principles and in those tenets, right? But like what... But there's no uh, de-escalating the carjacking, right? There's no de-escalating bipping. No. There's no de-escalating yeah. me riding. No, no, I'm right? talking about the social media beef. The carjacking, oh, no, no, no. that's a, yeah. No, no, I know what you're talking about, and I and I agree with that. I'm saying I'm I'm listening to you as a as a as a you know as a listener, right? Where it's like that's we need all that because there's a lot of beef and people dying over that stuff. Also, right, there's been this rise of like. Oh, I don't want to go. I'm about to. I, I want violence. what you got. I'm taking what you have. Like I was back in Oakland for a few days. I saw like four or five cars bipped. For y'all that don't know what bipping is, bipping is not a full carjacking. You you could be in the car, out the car. It's basically when we break your window, take your stuff, and keep it moving, right? But like, um, it and it happens in broad daylight. It happens like you know, like while you're on the, while you're in the middle of San Pablo. So I guess. If we're talking about a community issue in that way, right, where people like, look, man, I'm hungry, I'm starving, and this 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 gap between the haves and the have-nots is growing, and you and a lot of people look like food to a lot of people, right? So, like, how do we get our OGs? How do we get our community orgs? How do we get, you know, schools or whatever? I think it has to be an all hands on. Yeah, I, I think it might have froze up. Yeah. Hey, so yeah. you know, while he comes back, I, I want to put this out there, right? Because I, I you know, I, I, we got some Democrats on here, right? Hardy, I know you heavy Democrat, and so uh, <laughs> what I want to say is this: uh, I'll be damned if, I, if if I'm out here talking about I don't want no more police. I want police if I'm living in, in those in those types of areas, right? We not we not defunding shit. We bringing in more police. We're gonna train them right. You know, poli- you know, police don't don't stop crime, right? And they sure ain't solving crime either. They solve uh, crimes uh, in certain communities. They, yeah, in whose communities? Not ours. It, it depends. Go look it depends at that. On, go look. You had those data. Go look at that percentage of crime them. rates. It depends on how you train them, bro. It depends on and, how you train them. And you know what I'm gonna ask you? Who's yeah. training them? Who's training them? Yeah. Okay, but 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 the point here is this: uh, it doesn't matter how many police you have. If you if you let children grow up in in a lawless, reckless kind of environment, and that's what the schools started. That's what happens in the schools when you you go into a school and there's no control. Kids don't so, think they think that the world has wait, no control. Wait, 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 because like this is important for the listeners, right? Because like for 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 the folks that have run schools and Charles, you're adjacent. You know what good schools look like because you in them all the time. What is that? That whole, that whole control thing, because some people may get a little, you know, they may be taken aback by control. What does that mean? It's it's a school culture where there's rules, where everybody knows what the rules are. You know, you know, it's it, it it's a fair way of being able to interact as human beings, and 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 students need that. They want to know that. It keeps them. It makes them feel comfortable. It makes them feel secure. 
and it makes him uh, it allows him to focus on the things you need to in school and not and not be afraid. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh. I'm gonna put it this way, Ray, real quick. Yeah, if something happened on a Saturday, and a lot of people, you know, they would give us beef about this, but when I was a principal, if something happened on a Saturday in the neighborhood, yeah. And I heard about it. We no. having a meeting about it. We're having Absolutely. a conversation 100%. about it. Hey, you come, like I will call you that weekend, or I'll swing by your crib, or somebody <laughs> on the team would. They're like, yeah. "Yo, I heard y'all. You know what I mean? Like ransack Wawa, and your image was on there. We need to have a conversation because you are part of a community. You're not like isolated yeah. and no accountability. We're accountable to you. But guess yeah. what? This is cooperation, and it's a community, and it's a culture that we are trying to establish." And you represent your family as well as this uh, school. And you're not just going to be out here and just think like, I ain't accountable to nobody. I don't care. Like, nah, yes, you are. Yes, yeah. you are. I, right. And so like starting that and having that where then they are also, they they would tell the new folks like, yo, we don't get down like that here. Yeah. Yo, we, we don't do that in our community. Mm-hmm. Right. And like, that's when you're starting to build something tight that can also go with them. Yeah. As they're going out, and like, and not that kids won't make mistakes. So like, kids are going to make mistakes. Yeah, you know. No, I, and I, I agree. With yeah, you. I agree yeah. with you. Whole but hard. but but you also have a place where they can make mistakes. Like this whole idea of people not understand re- restorative justice in a high school, in a school, you don't have a way for kids to be forgiven and move on to the next thing. I mean, that's insane. Everybody yeah. needs to have something like that. Adults need that. Yeah. That's why they got whole HR. Right. Uh, they got whole HR departments for adults. You know what I mean? Listen, <laughs> Ray, how many times they call you to HR when you were? Uh, I don't, I don't, you... Hey, I don't, first, first of all, I don't ever get called to HR because I'm one hundred percent compliant. Because I, <laughs> hey, listen, you know, I, 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 know, I know how this works for people that look like me, right? You know, mm. I'm 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 six three and I look good, so like you know, things yeah. happen. Anyway. So I'm uh, taking me back to my time in Baltimore City and also taking mm. me back to my time in Harlem, right? So mm-hmm. I remember in both places, man, we had to like walk our kids from the bus to the school and then from the school to the bus. But that's how committed we were to their safety, right? Because mm-hmm. it's like if we want these kids to be safe, then we got to go above and beyond. And I don't know if there's if, if there's that many folks that are going above and beyond in order for their kids to be safe. It's like in Harlem, you know, we had we had kids in uniforms, and I'm pretty sure y'all run into this at Bars Latin, and y'all probably run into this at Shoemaker as well. When you have a uniform on, we have a charter school uniform on, you immediately become a target. The to target, folks yeah. That are not, to, to folks that are not in 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 those types of schools, right? And so yeah, make, but- sure, make sure that those kids are on the bus. Make sure that those kids are safe. It's 100 important. And then for us, even out in Riverhead, from the moment you leave that door to when you get on the bus. You are accountable for your behavior. You are the leader of your own life. And when you decide that you don't want to be the leader of your own life, then Ankrum becomes the leader of your life, right? And so that's where we at. Hardy, jump in here, man. No, I think you're 100% right. I think that, that what happens is that if you don't give them a pathway, I mean, these are children. They're young people. They, they're looking for advice. They don't want you to tell you tell them what to do, but they want you to show them the way to give them advice, to give them guidance. And if you don't do that, that's a big missing part. And and somebody else takes that role. The yeah. guy on the corner takes that role. And, yeah. and and he'll talk to him. He'll buy him sneakers. You know, I'm going to go to the store for me. I'll throw you a couple dollars. And all of a sudden, he lures this, this, this child into his orbit. And it's tough to get him out after that. But you have the chance to do the same thing. It's called develop a relationship. That's what it is. Mm. You know, uh, and I want to pull in, you know, this other part, you know, Cole touched on it and I hope he goes, you know, even even deeper with it. You know, like there's there's some other responsibilities as well outside of the schools. Right. Like, you know, there's like when we talk about like schools, like we always had a social like I've and, and I feel I know I'm blessed and privileged, but some of it's just common sense. It's not that like, you know, mm-hmm. we we always had a social worker. Right. We always right. had a social worker as part of the team. Right. And I get it. And people are like, well, we got our budgets cut. Like nobody gets their budgets cut, you know, um, like a charter school. All that and we, that's out there right now. Well, I'm just saying even before then. Right. Like you got to have people in your staff that are able to do home visits, make connections, get resources. Right. And then as a city, like how do we make sure that the resources are integrated? It wasn't until recently and this, that I was explained that like the behavioral health, which gets millions of dollars, the behavioral health department in the city 
wasn't integrating with with the schools and and the school district. How, how ridiculous is that? That's yeah. insane, right? It's like yeah. oh, we do we do all the work outside of school. We're not communicating with it, like all of that. You know, like that's you're creating holes for kids to fall through. Like, you know, not just a crack, a chasm, and you're just like, oh well, we don't really talk to them, and they don't really talk to. Us. Like I don't want to hear that. These are kids, well, and this is our city. It's the same thing with these community schools. The community schools are replicating things that already exist outside of the school. What they need to do is make a space for them in the school, bring them into the school and meld those two those two things together. And they don't want to do that. That's that's a big part of this. It's everybody has their little territory and they're trying to control their territory instead of doing what's right for the children. When I think about like a, a place like, you know, Gratz, um, where, you know, at least a decade ago, um we knew data wise we knew that this high school this particular high school would always have the most amount of kids returning from placement because that was the zip code it was a neighborhood school mm -hmm. so this zip code has more kids being removed sent to some type of juvenile detention which means when they come back to their neighborhood this is the school that had the highest percentage of kids returning from you know uh, a juvenile dis disciplinary you know placement Right. If there's no integration and say like, hey, school, oh, you know what? You have the most and you have the second most, you have the third. Hey, here's the resources. Here's how we're going to support the transition and people in the school and making sure you're aware of how to support them, what they have to right? Like when that's not happening, that means we're literally saying like, I don't really care. I don't live in that neighborhood. I, I might come to school and work there. I don't live there. So I don't really care. I look yeah, at myself as removed from that. But but we we you know we talking about football earlier. If you have a good team in a division in in the NFL, the other teams tool up to be able to deal with that team. We have schools and neighborhoods where we don't change the personnel to deal with the students who are walking through that door. We don't change the the the, the pedagogy. We don't change the way with the classes. We don't make it so that the students in that school who come through those doors can be successful. Um, we want them to conform to some some standard that they may not have any idea, you know, how you get to that standard. And we don't we don't do anything about that. I think that's, you know, it's it's it's, it's a shame and it's a waste of time. It's a waste of money. Charles, jumping you yeah. back in here, man. You yo, your life's work, energy converters, man. Excellent how you uh navigate and activate student voice. If you were activating a chapter of uh, energy converters in Philadelphia, how would you help these kids center their voice to where we would know what they need and how we could like provide the resources for them? Oh, that's <laughs> easy, man. Thank you for yeah. that question. That's easy. I get, I, I want them to tell their actual story, like especially if they've been victimized or what they saw. And I think we're going to learn a lot from it. I think there's a lot of politics that sheen over stuff. Um, I think that, you're going to hear that it's a lot of these issues are not being started from kids inside of that school, uh, from kids that's in school at all. I think that there are people, OGs, that try to bring things together. And, you know, like in my community, a Sharif could come and I, and it might be 90 kids that show up, but it might be like 10 or 15 that's like, man, F that. I'm trying to get them. I'm trying to eat. I'm trying to do this. And I think you start with those actual stories and then you put everybody on the hook. Like this is. And, in the, in the, you know, it's a blue light moment in hospitals. If somebody bleeding out, everybody works together to save that 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 life that's bleeding out. This has this violence that's happening has to be our community's blue light moment. I don't want to even frame it as a school issue because schools have been in up at so much for so long that it, this is way too important to put in their hands. This is a community pandemic. This is something that a community has to rally around. Uh, a quick story just to answer that goes with that, Ray. When I was in Oakland, I ran into somebody and we are like opposed academically and educationally, right? Like, yeah. you know, but we connected over two things. One, we, we we embraced and hugged each other. One, to show love for Dirk. And two, we talked about the mass shooting, the six people that just got shot at a school in Oakland last yeah. week. Like, yeah. me and this person has crazy different issues, right? Like, one of these people is like super union, super believe in this. You know, I'm like, yo, we need this, we need, you know what I'm saying? But in that moment, we had a real embrace because it was bigger than these politics. And I think yes. when you put it in the framework yes. of school, it's too vulnerable 
to the politics that 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 gets played with school business. So that's where I would start, Ray. I would start with real stories from affected people and lives. So you got a name to those faces. And I would talk to their parents. I would talk to people that love them. I would talk to that cop. I would talk to that ball coach. I would talk to that that that. That, that homeless person on the street because you need everybody's voice to build a community narrative. And then now I'm part of that as opposed to just being part of a, a singular entity. Yeah. And so it's election season. What what kind of heat are, are, are being put on Philadelphia politicians uh, uh, that, that are leading this work? Uh, how, how are we challenging them? Hardy, starting with you, sir. Well, you know what? I think one thing that I'm seeing, I don't know about you, Sharif, but I think that that People, you know, politicians especially have been getting away with living one life with their children and espousing a different life for everybody else's children. Well, I don't think you can get away with that anymore. I think that's that's starting to come out. And I think people are uncomfortable with that, that being exposed. And I'll tell you uh, what what really shocked me was that um, the Democratic gubernatorial candidate came out and said he's in favor of this lifeline scholarship that if you were in the t- in the bottom 15% of schools, you could take your money and go to a private school. Now, is that going to save everybody? No, but it, it it's doing something different. And I think that's what, that's what we got to start looking at. What can we do differently and how can we make things work better for these children? And I, I, I guess I'm, I'm a little more hopeful from what I've been seeing and what I've been hearing from these people, but we're going to see, you know, after the election's over, then it's time to do. So we'll see. Yeah, I mean, I still have grave concerns, um, you know, Mr. Hardy, just because, you know, when you look at, there was an increase, and I forget the number um, off the top of my head, but millions of dollars were pumped in, um, you know, to Philadelphia, to anti-violence, you know, like millions. Um, yeah, I want to say fifty million. Like it was, it was like an astronomical it, it, number. It was, I think, it was more than that. Yeah, yeah. But, but only a small percentage really went to something that was really working. I saw that. Exactly. I did see that. Exactly. If I, only a small percentage of those million. Again, it's like, wait a minute. You have a hundred million dollars to spend on anti-violence. You're not getting, and maybe somebody is, but I haven't, I haven't seen it on like wholesale, like you know, millions of dollars worth, like. If you're not getting student voices, right? You're not getting family voices. You're not looking at the past and say, okay, what was done? I remember when, as a kid, gang warfare was crazy in Philly. The Morocco. That's my gen. That's my gang, generation. Right? Like it, yep. I, yep. I remember as a kid, you know, hearing stories about like kids getting shot, uh, you know, accidentally. People getting there was less gun access to guns, right? But folks were still getting jacked up, like, and you know. Um, they had zip guns. I remember reading, I was looking for one article, uh, you know, in the archives, I was seeing all this, like, that four-year-old shot, you know, um, unintentionally, but, you know, straight bullet, blah, blah, blah. Like, but the gun, the, uh, the violence was, was huge during that time, right? You couldn't walk here, you couldn't walk there. And one of the things that they did was they had basically case managers in communities, right? Like, I want to call them street workers, but I know that has different connotations now, no, but it was no. like basically... Like folks who were in the community who were also not just volunteering their time. This was part of their work. Right. And like this, it's almost like now you can take care of your elderly inside your home and you're paid to do that. Yeah. Like Mm -hmm. they had something very similar in response to the gang violence, Um, you know, and things like that. Right. But also schools got to be better. Right. Like and I get it. Their schools are only what, 20 percent of a kid's time for the most part. And if we do this 20 percent right. Like it's it's uh it could have well, have a huge thing. So I mean I'm optimistic, but I'm ner- most of the politicians that I've heard they're like more police. You know they sound like uh, Ray Wright. More police, more police. I just don't think that's the answer. Just yeah, all right. I get I give uh, Philly. I think the capacity is six thousand uh, police, six thousand. Yeah. And I think they're short because people you know they're about to. Uh, I think they recently they don't have to have a college degree they used to have to have that they don't have to have that i think now they don't have to live in the city or they're about to change no. that where they don't have to live in the city you can smoke weed <laughs> right? like it's, it's, it's already like you know and yeah. i'm just yeah. like Ugh. like hey, it's already hectic. About hey listen so re, re, I, so so for, for a couple things right i'm about to set you mm. up with the alley-oop even though you're about to miss it right yes um, and it wasn't a good alley-oop because you can't miss <laughs> a good alley-oop like <laughs> 
if you if you can't jump over a cigarette, but you miss anything, listen. So then that's your fault for throwing an alley oop to somebody that can't jump. Like that's that's your fault. That's, that's true. You got big hands though. And so 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 we a couple of things. First, I want you to plug BMEC, right? I want you to plug the convening because like you know people don't know about it. I want people to to, to know about what's happening and, and how that's going down. But secondly, I want you to start thinking critically about a call to action. You about to have all these black men from Philly in one place centered, right? Like, what can we do as a call of action with everybody in that one space to where we can come down and we can try to we can try to make some sense out of these things? Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. I, I think a couple of things. And as a matter of fact, you know, uh, as uh, Doc was talking, I was thinking, I'm like, you know what? I wonder if he could do even do a session for the youth. Cause we're gonna have some youth there. So the Black Men Educated Convening, this will be our fifth annual national black men educators convening but it's open to everybody right you know because sometimes people are like well it's just it says black men I'm just like first of all there are plenty of black men spaces y'all still come up in there barbershop black men i see <laughs> i see y'all coming up in there cigar you know what i mean but anyway it, we're welcoming like it's it's open to everybody we have sisters um sisters who taught a lot of brothers how to teach um i know my uh, mentors and and uh and instructional coaches were mainly uh sisters but anyway it's open to all what we center the experiences, perspectives, and realities and needs of black men in education. So that's one. But we have youth who are who are going to be there as well. So this is November 17th through the 19th here in Philadelphia. Um, as I said, the fifth one. I've been told it's the largest convening of black men um, educators uh, in the country. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't have time to check stats like that, but that's what I've been told. Um, and these different tracks are, you know, part of the, the vision that we had years ago when we started uh, uh, doing BMEX back in 2014 was this idea that not only are we coming together, <laughs> is that for the largest uh, Jordan or something else? That's <laughs> I'm going to buy you a real cap so you ain't got to go take your son's bike helmet. Um, but, you know, that, but it was also like supposed to be like a call to action like once you leave. But, but the thing about it, everybody's coming from different communities. I can tell you right now, the registrants right now represent 25 different states. Right. Wow. So people are coming from all over the country, from California to Connecticut, and they're here. But then they should also be able to like, what could we collectively think about, do, et cetera. Um, but some of it is going to be like lift as you climb, because some of these brothers are also struggling themselves, you know, um, you know, in the spaces that they're in. So it's a, literally a lift as you climb. Who can you lift up as you're climbing yourself um, type of theme? And again, it's open. It's open to everybody. I'm excited. A Black Hands will be, you know, having a live podcast. And Cole, I should, you know, we should wrap. I would love, like, we'll have youth there. So, like, a, a mini version of energy converters, because that might even be able to get them to go back and say, yo, we need this in our school or something like, you know, to that effect, too. Hey, Cole, yeah. Fat Joe. I think right, he froze today? again. <laughs> no, he froze. He like the, you see, yeah. but why he always freezing on, like, the GQ tip? He like. Yo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Every, everybody else, everybody, everybody else, everybody else freeze yeah, looking crazy freeze with their mouth, mouth yeah, open, yeah. eyes all funny. <laughs> hey, hey, why you freeze oh. posing? <laughs> you got the coolest See, freeze pause. I ever saw, man. <laughs> hey, hey you no, looking I'm, real I'm, ice cold, ice cold. I told Ray, I told Ray because my, my picture keep blurring. I'm changing out my camera, but I think it's just pulling too much. It's pulling too much stuff today, but I'll get it fixed. But sorry about that. I wasn't trying to. to I was trying to listen to your thing on BMEC, bro. I missed a whole bunch of that. That's all right. I, I got to follow up with you anyway. But, but I'm if, down, if I'm folks agree help, that, that Cole should do a session there, put it in the chat. Let him know. You know what I'm saying? I'm with it. So yeah, just get, give me a cigar, man. I'm with you. you, you just hey, no, 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 cigar, no, no. Man. Fat Joe, Fat Joe. The price today? <laughs> it's not the price of yesterday. It's not but you know what, what I mean? But, but I think, but but really though, I mean, a lot of this though is like, you know, you said a lot of this stuff was new stuff that you've seen, David. I, I This felt like the 90s to me. This felt like when I was a student coming up mm -hmm. in school. The crack and I think epidemic. that like, yeah, and I think, I think, I think we, and a, a large part of that reason, we just didn't have OGs, man. Like we did not have that multi-intergenerational kind of relationship set up. The, the same rules, like, Hey, you don't curse in front of a church or a mosque, right? When I, I remember that moment when I was a teenager and then people was cussing in front of the church, right? Like, mm -hmm. or you don't disrespect, you don't do this in front of an older lady. You don't, like there were just certain, you don't beef in front of a school. And I think that there, this is a community slippage, man. And I think that again, you know, I think our schools are capable and I'm not trying to say that, well, no, I don't. I, let me not even lie. 
they should not be leading this initiative. They should be part of no, it. No, I think you're right. I think yeah. you're right. They should not be it's, leading it's, it. It's larger, they should not be it's larger than that. Hey, well, no, the, let me say this. They could be leading it if right. they had schools like Sharif's. I mean, right. they would be leading it. You got, you got, you can't have a school in the neighborhood and not be part of that neighborhood. You can you have to, first of all, you should ask permission to come to that neighborhood because that's not your listen, neighborhood. So, you know, I mean, that's what you have to y'all, do. Y'all don't really want to have this talk. Y'all don't yeah, really do. want to have yeah, this talk. Yeah, we do. Listen, yeah. in, our, in our culture, before you even, t- like, so I, I gave, I was emceeing something uh, yesterday. You know, we were gathering for, you know, to bring awareness and continue to fight and fundraise for our political prisoners. Um, you know, and part of it is like connecting the dots, right? You know, like he's talking about like the OGs, these OGs who are still there. You know, people sometimes people think mass incarceration just started. We're like, no, we got folks, political prisoners who've been locked up for 50 years. Like these are people who were in the community that have been removed, and that system has continued, um, you know, to do that. But I think that idea of you know, the leadership, the community, the the organizing, all of that. Mm-hmm. Is such a critical piece, right? So anyway, before we even talk, we would ask our elder, "Hey, can I can I talk? Can I give this speech like with their permission?" Same thing. But I also think educators, instead of all this, in addition to educator prep programs, nobody should be in the school if the community doesn't give them a badge to. Mm-hmm. So if we got this uh, certification. Everybody like certification. Sir, what's your community based certification? Mm-hmm. Who saw you and approved you? Trust you and and are willing to say out loud like yeah this person right like there needs to be some type of mechanism where communities are able to certify folks before they come into the school right mm-hmm. because if you look at yourself as removed from it then there's no way you're going to feel like you know like i have ownership or responsibility to my community right like i i don't have responsibility this is a job like my my responsibility is, is over the bridge when you know where i where i drive back i'm like i'm here but i'm really not and so many of these folks their only interaction, their only interaction with black people are with their children. Cause we know most white folks ain't even got no uh, black friend, right? Like we see y'all Facebook pages. Y'all don't know any black folks besides the one that you might be working in school with. And there's very few of them. So that means your only interaction with black and brown communities are with children of black and brown communities. Picture that, picture that. That's your only interaction is with someone's child, not with the community, not with the culture, not with anything. So you see entertainment and with, however that forms in your head, you see the news and however we're portrayed there, and then you come and, and uh, teach a seven-year-old and you feel like, I, now I know. Now you know, you know what? You know, the, the, the shame about it is that when you when you do that, when you when you do try and get to know people in a community, you'll find that all these communities are, are a lot more supportive, a lot more welcoming right. than you ever right. would imagine that they right. want these children. They want the same thing for their children as everybody else. And if you're somebody who can get them there, they're going to love you for that. Yeah. We need, so what we need to be talking about, Reef. And this is being honest. If we need to be talking about just like this whole charter movement, and we need to be talking about black-led CMOs, right? Because like you have a lot of folks that are coming into these neighborhoods that are not coming into these neighborhoods for the right reason. They're coming into these neighborhoods for profit, right? And so, you know, I, I, I would love to see a, a movement centered towards uh, more black-run uh, charter school networks. Listen, I'm I'm not going to disagree. I mean, I I got a little issue with your language about profit because I don't I don't know too many folks who are actually making profit on that. Um, and let's see what the profit is. Yeah, <laughs> I don't see I, where I don't the profit see. is. If you're doing it right, this ain't nowhere near enough money to do it right. Yeah, and and I agree yeah, with I you. We need 100. I mean, we need more you know black educators, conscious, critical thinkers, revolutionary thinking. Um, folks who are willing to look at the system and say, you know what, my part of my job is to educate you, but also inspire you and also show you how to how to beat the system. Right. Like and like undermine it. Like like this is this is how this thing has been engineered and part of the education piece, which is, again, education, just not within the schools. It's also outside of the schools. Right. Like and how are we connect? When we were at this join yesterday, and I, and I gave I gave our community feedback. This is like my brothers and sisters, my mamas and babas. I gave feedback. When I looked into the crowd, it was very few youth. 
and the history makers that were there. We had people from Ram, from the Black Panther Party, from uh, Black Liberation Army, from MOVE. Like we had historic revolutionary thinkers, doers, educators, leaders, like all of that. It was very few youth. And I was like, listen, y'all. And we were like right in West Philly. We're on 52nd Street. I was like, listen, next year when we come together for this uh, fundraiser, we each need to bring two more. And I, myself was guilty too. Like, you know, my kids were at work and they're there and I dropped a couple over down in Maryland and my sisters like, so I was even kid and youth free. I was just like, you know what? They need to be in these spaces um, with us as we're talking and solving the issue. Even if they didn't create the problem, these youth definitely have, and this is what Cole's work is. Even when they don't create the problem, they definitely have some of the solution. Mm-hmm. And we have to tap into that. Yeah. yeah. All right. Bringing us into final thoughts because we're getting out of here on time because the Ravens is at halftime right now. And so, uh, uh, Reese, this is your show. You go last. Uh, you watching the game. watching the game. It's already. We, see, this, bro, listen, this is like, sometimes it's like a man. Mickey Mouse operation, Mr. Hardy. He out there watching the Ravens game. Yeah, what? Yeah. I'm, I'm not. I'm not. I just watch my what's, fantasy football. What, I, got, I, feel like, I feel like in fantasy football, if I'm not watching the game, then Lamar they do is work. not performing. So, 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 Charles. Man, so you are watching the game. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's not, he's not right now. <laughs> Charles, man, you're up first. What's good? Yeah, I, uh, I, I'll just say, man. One, thank you, uh, Mr. Hardy. Thank you to the OG for being here. Uh, thanks for letting us stand, sit at your feet and uh, and learn from you, man. And hopefully, we get to do more of it. I, I, I really, truly do appreciate these relationships, man, and, and and want you to know and feel that appreciation. Uh, you know, my final thought, like, I think that, you know, we've lost our way as a, I think it's a community thing. I think it, it, leaders have to lead. That's our men. That's our women. That's us giving each other roles and executing on those roles. And uh, it, all this, all the Twitter chatter, all this other stuff, all these, we, we, we are a community right now that is over obsessed with the lives of celebrities and not having nearly enough uh, reaction to like schools in Philadelphia and Oakland and Detroit and Chicago getting shot up. Like there were like mass school shootings in black schools in the last three weeks. But we worried about where Kanye West is on like Fox News or who's dating who. Like that's our that's a community failure. That's that's us. That's that's our priorities. Like like I I just and I think that, you know, we just don't have rules and guidance is hard. And uh, and, you know, a black hands, we wrote a pamphlet. And I, I, I've been trying to show love to the pamphlets, man. Frederick Douglass used to write pamphlets. Ida B. Wells wrote pamphlets. So, you know, mm-hmm. a, a Black Hands gave a free Speak pamphlet. Speak it, bro. Speak it. A, a Black Hands gave a free pamphlet. Um, I just did one for, for black boys who would be the first in their family to go to college. Just, 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 this is just brotherly advice. It ain't the perfect book. I'm not writing a magnum opus. It's easy to read and it's, and it's pointed out. Like, we need to start reestablishing the, the, the values that we want to see. And we need to, like, help implement those things because we get mad at a people that we didn't guide and we didn't lead. And now this is what we got. We got, like, it, it, you, I, I'm, I'm, I can't be... I can't be mad and blaming our kids and yelling at them when I go on Twitter and everybody yelling about what some mm. celebrity done did. Like, and then we like, why these damn kids ain't focused on this and that? Because you told them not to focus on it. Like we can't be the people talking about restorative justice, and then we leaking videos of Draymond Green and Jordan Poole having a fight at practice. We can talk about that and break down what's happening there, but people don't understand the level of damage that that just did. The public ridicule is going to be way worse than the punch that happened where these two black men could have worked it out. Now somebody's thinking about getting it back in blood, and then we're going to be like, "Damn, look at all this violence." Well, if you posted it and you reposted it and you shared it. You help be part of that violence. We got everybody got blood on their hands if we care about our community. I'm tired of talking about schools. I'm tired of talking about traditional charter, private, all that stuff. I'm tired of talking about what needs to happen. I'm tired of talking about white folks like my community, us. What are we doing and where have I failed and how can I be better? That's my final thought. I don't have an answer, but it's something that I'm thinking about as I just flew back from a memorial from one of the greatest leaders that I've known who was murdered in his home. Like, what are we talking about? Right. But I, I, I love this show. And I mean, I, I'm just so appreciative that the brothers was here. And Chris, I wish you were here, but look forward to seeing you next week. Thank you for that, bro. Uh, uh, Mr. Hardy, sir. 
Well, I appreciate being here with you, gentlemen. It's always a pleasure. Um, and I know that the I know that this this telecast in and it of itself is an important telecast because it's, it it is a place where there's honest talk about issues, black educational issues, black life issues, um, and, and conversations that need to be had. Uh, I think that the I think that the schools do have a role in this whole violence thing. I think that the schools are the people who train our children to train them about how to how to make it in life. And part of making it in life is learning how to get along with each other, how to how to how to be able to solve problems and, and, and resolve conflicts. And we have to be able to teach those things in school. And I think we've we've been remiss in doing that and we've run from it. And we can't do it anymore because we see the result of it. So, like I said, it's been great to be here. Uh, anytime you guys want me back, I'm always ready to come back and uh, wish you all the best. And special hello to my buddy, Chris. Yeah, that's what's up. Reed. All right. Yeah, man. You know, again, Mr. Hardy, you know, thanks a lot. And thanks for, for leading um, the way. Thanks for telling folks to shut up and sit down um, when you had a vision for uh, starting a school for, you know, for young black men. Um, and now you've expanded it to not just a high school, but middle and high school. Um, shout out to the to, to the young bloods that you, you know, passed the torch to and Robert Parker and, and, and Dr. William Hayes. I, I think this is part of the lift as you climb, part of the, the tree um, that just keeps extending and extending. Um, and we need far more uh, schools for our black boys where they can feel safe, where they can be affirmed, where it's safe to make mistakes. Um, where they can, are able to practice leadership, practice community building, practice conflict resolution and how to communicate, how to express themselves, um, all of that. But, you know, what we need are schools that provide a sense of purpose. Um, what I see is so much hopelessness. Um, if you feel like, you know, you have nothing to live for, then it's going to be really hard for you to care about you know, what someone else wants to live for. Right. And, you know, that, you know, and, it, and it, listen, October 4th, you know, me and my brother always, you know, exchange, you know, if we can't get together and pray. October 4th was, you know, when I almost uh, was one of those statistics, right? October 4th, 1992, 30 years ago, and some of the same stuff um, that's going on. That happened on a, on a on Bartram's football field. Um, and then when you hear about the young man who was murdered, you know, um, at, what was that? Roxborough. Roxborough. Right? Roxborough, yep. uh, you know, uh, football field, you know, and, and five young men shot, you know, and what my me and my brother think about all the time is here I was as a 20 year old. But I had a college degree and my assailant, the last grade he finished was seventh grade. So for us, this stuff isn't just like a job and a theory like this actually has real consequences for us, our people. Black educators, Black community, Brown communities, this is an absolute critical part of what we will see in our lives if it doesn't happen. It's not just a job. It's not just theory like, oh, this is what I think should happen. Like, no, there are consequences for our neighbors because they don't live here. <laughs> you know, it's for our neighbors, our relatives. Even if you don't live there, you have relatives there. You have community members, you have a connection there. And so this is absolutely critical. And then anytime we're talking about the youth and, and you see these stats and you see what's going on, um, that whole, um, and I, I hate that it's so true, right? But it's also, you know, critically important that we we understand it and apply it. That that saying that uh, the, ch the child who is not embraced by the village will burn it down to feel its warmth. Like mm -hmm. our places are on fire for a reason for a reason. And it did not start with a, a kid that was born 14, 15 years ago. It didn't start with somebody that was just on this earth 15, 16 years ago. Something else started that and launched that. It is our job to interrupt it. And, you know, may God be with us if we don't, because man, <laughs> may God be with us if we do so that we can too. So, but man, it's, uh, you know, without, without clearer thinking and strategies that are actually tied to research, we, we're going to still just be having the same conversation over and over again in another different type of cycle. So from the crack was the last bump. Now the pandemic, what's going to be the next bump that we're going to be talking about, you know, um, about with our grandkids got to stop. 
And schools so, play an absolute critical role in all this. Yeah. So my final thought, and I don't need the main screen, but I just want to lean into my leadership because I took over this show that would have been gone on until tomorrow if Reef was the host and the expert. And so I just want to <laughs> <laughs> win over. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe, like, you know, like, I, I just want to name that time is, time is a co construct created, you know, by you. Don't, no, don't, no, don't, don't say that time is a white supremacy construct, bro. Don't, don't do no, that. I, I don't believe it. Look, Malcolm said that I don't trust nobody that don't wear a watch. So yeah. I don't get down with, like, oh, I ain't got to worry about time. Like, nah, Joker, that's how revolutionaries get hemmed up because you said you're going to pick him up at five. You showing up at 6 30 and he jammed up now because you're late. Nah, I ain't got time for that. But on this it. show, I don't mind going over a few minutes. Yeah. That's because so I love y'all. It's the brotherhood. You know what I'm saying? Of course, of course, of course. Beautiful seeing y'all. Hardy, man, you're always welcome to come here. Even if we don't invite you, you can invite yourself. So, folks, you've been listening to another episode of The Eight Black Hands. Next week, we got something special for you again. All right? Tune in next week. We'll check you out. Peace. Go watch Baltimore. Peace,